0: off top the earliest instance of gambling is believed to have taken place in ancient egypt in 3000 bc-ish play the music this is the dominique foxworth show what up charles so, What's up? I mean, a lot of stuff. So we got I, I was all set to have a big conversation about the obligation that sports franchises and their owners have to their fans because I've been frustrated by some of the things that have been going on this off-season. And then we get NFL suspensions because of gambling once again so Isaiah Rogers is the the big headline right now we don't know the names of the rest of the people Isaiah Rogers cornerback for the Indianapolis Colts he is going to be suspended for an entire season which uh we saw that with um With Ridley, Calvin Ridley also got uh, a full season suspension. And we saw Jameson Williams, a receiver from a rookie receiver, I guess now second year receiver, who still hasn't stepped foot on the field for very much time because he had a torn up knee. And then he's gonna get suspended for the first half of this season uh, because of gambling. I don't know the right word. We're getting close to a bit of a streak epidemic, an issue, a problem that the NFL is starting to deal with and had most certainly, I think, has anticipated. And I think that's why the punishments are so harsh. But Isaiah um, is going to get a full season and supposedly there are four other Colts players. Um, that are going to be suspended for a full season, also, and that brings the grand total to what eleven in just about a a year, which yeah. is a crazy number. If you add up the number of games, it's an incredible uh, number of games for this. Um, you go online, and you hear the compare, you see comparisons to like other criminal activity and different things, and it's it, it, what is. I don't know that I I don't want to do this like comparison thing, but I do think that out of all of this. It's something that I mentioned the last time we had this conversation. It's clear that the league cares a whole lot about their perception or the way that they are perceived. And that's the point of these heavy handed uh, punishments. And I think that's the point of them being very public about them is because there's a few things that are important to the league's. Success going forward. And I think the number one thing that they put at risk when they started to get in bed with these gambling companies, which was something that they decided they wanted to do because money. uh, But the thing that they put at risk is probably the most important thing to their financial well being. And so we'll talk about who the customers are because I think that's an interesting question. As money gets more important to these sports leagues, as they operate more and more like businesses and less like teams, uh, the customer changes. And while the customer is still partially the fan, it's also sponsors and it's also these gambling companies and their revenue is tied to. How true they are to the image that they project. And what I mean by that is this is an entertainment property. But it's not pure entertainment like a TV show, a movie, or maybe wrestling would be the example, like um, WWE professional wrestling type stuff, because they are not trying to trick us into believing that pro wrestling is real. And that hurts how valuable a media property it is. The premise or, or one of the biggest catalysts to why sports franchise values have jumped so much recently is because it's one of the last places that it's must see because This stuff is not scripted. It's live. It matters. And there is connection to your civic pride. And I think this kind of dovetails on the conversation I want to have later. But the point, the reason why I bring that up is because they've never made a decision in the past that is this big that puts that core thing so much at risk as they have recently. And. Campaigning and lobbying to legalize gambling is something that all the pro sports leagues were doing because they were running out of ways to maximize the revenue in their current stream. So they were like, you know what? Let's open a new stream. And it's something that they always said in the past that they were hugely opposed to was gambling companies. And I remember quite clearly when I was, I wasn't president of the union at this point, I was on executive committee of the union and we were talking about moving the Pro Bowl from Hawaii. And you're like, where should we put the Pro Bowl? Should we go to a bunch of different cities? And I remember saying it was probably a year after the NBA All-Star Game was in Vegas. I remember saying in a small meeting with Roger Goodell, I told him, I requested, let's put it in Vegas. I love Vegas. It was fun. I would never go to the Pro Bowl. Damn. Yeah, not because I was a, 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 I wouldn't go to the Pro Bowl to visit. Like, you think about NBA All-Star Weekend. Everybody goes to the All-Star Weekend. Players who are not playing in the game goes there. It's like a fun thing. The All-Star Game in, um or the Pro Bowl in Hawaii, it wasn't the same thing. You know, by like going to Hawaii, you know, people were trying to go all the way to Hawaii to hang out to watch the Pro Bowl. So anyway, I bring that up to say, at that time, their response to that was, like ridiculous this is a horrible idea for me to even put on the table and it w- in their defense it came like a year after the nba was there and if you remember that nba all-star game there were probably four nfl players i think three or four nfl players got arrested or got in some sort of trouble so they're like we got to stay out of vegas and also we don't want to be that close to gambling fast forward to now they got a team in Vegas and they are in bed with all the major gambling companies and trying to get more money. So back to the original point. This is the first time that they are putting their most important like pillar, which is the integrity of the game. They are putting it in jeopardy by uh, being close to these companies. And the reason why and the way that they're trying to protect that is by over players and creating really uh strict rules around what they can and can't do and i think this is i I know this i know that perception is as important to them as anything from being around this league a long time and working at the union and all that stuff but if you don't want to believe me you can read the like five guidelines that they released recently and that kind of makes it quite clear what matters if you look at it they're like we don't want you uh placing bets from the team facility. I think that's all about perception. They don't want guys on Instagram or on TikTok like, yeah, I'm making these bets or whatever on uh, it, while they're sitting there in front of an NFL logo or at a, a team facility. You can't do it on the road because the same reason. And the real kicker is in the NFL regular season, you can't even step foot into a sports book which technically you're able to gamble. You can't gamble on your own games, obviously, or the games in your league, but you can't even step foot in uh, a, a, a sports book. It's so like if you wanted to bet on some basketball games, you should be able to go to a sports book. But you know what looks bad? A pro football player being photographed standing in a sports book because they're playing against the, the Raiders in Vegas. They're standing in a sports book the night before their game. And then let's say anything happens. The next day, that's a real hard story for them to corral. So I think – I'm sorry I haven't let you say a word, but I think that's a bunch of the stuff that has just been floating around in my mind and is upsetting, but I find myself in a hard place where I want to be defensive of the players because I recognize that they're putting the players in a tough spot. But also, guys – it's pretty straightforward. Like these are pretty straightforward rules that aren't too hard to follow. And I, I think that they it's going to be pretty clear to the players going forward. Are there things about this that you find interesting? So you have a lot of thoughts, <laughs>
1: and I have a lot of feelings. <laughs> and this is, I'm not, I'm not going to be passing along sage nuggets or how the NFL should change things. What I'm going to tell you is that. When I saw the Pro Football Talk report that Isaiah Rogers had put 100 bets on the NFL season and some of the bets were on Colts games, my initial reaction was, holy shit, I don't want to watch a league where we are trending towards players being on the take. And there's something that is... So primal about football where the guy seems so competitive and it's in such stark contrast to NBA seasons, right. major league baseball seasons. It's really special. You have a community around teams. I don't want a world where that's the case. Does Isaiah Rogers deserve a full year suspension? Absolutely. He does. Wow. Did the NFL put him in a position to fail? Absolutely they did. They got in bed with the sleaziest companies possible to turn a profit which is no different than what the NFL has done for years. The difference is now they're putting their players in a position to fail in a new way. Mm -hmm. And I think that's completely unfair. But as long as the players know the rules, if they completely tank the integrity of the game by betting on it, I don't think the NFL has any other choice but to come down
0: hard on these guys. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, I I think that's the the funny thing about this is... uh, I don't disagree with the way that the NFL is behaving. I would rather them not have put themselves in their players in this situation, but I would do the same thing if I was the league. Mm. This is the, yeah, if I was the league and there are guys like Jameson Williams, and while you and I know who he is, nobody knows who Jameson Williams is. There are guys like Isaiah, who like, uh, Six round draft pick. He's not moving numbers. I refuse to let somebody who is not uh, critical to the financial well-being of this industry create anything close to a distraction. So like from my ruthless capitalist mind, if I can put that hat on, which does not fit very well at all, it makes me very uncomfortable and ashamed. But if I were to put that on, like I understand why why you would make those decisions. However, I don't understand. I don't appreciate being in that role. And this goes to the point about so like well, I get why the league would do that and the league should do that. I get why players could make these mistakes. I, I hope that all of the bets were in favor of his team because yeah. that there's which, no which We don't there. know. Yeah, we don't. Know. We should be very clear. We don't know. And you brought up a. a you said something that that set my mind to thinking of other sports and since I my first thoughts are always football and especially this is a football story I find it unlikely that guys will throw football games or be on the take because these games are so valuable you get so few and they're so painful and there's so much invested in it like it feels it could obviously happen but it feels less likely but you know what There's plenty of games in other sports. They play a lot more games and there's a lot more opportunities. We have not seen those. And there are also those games mean a lot less. Guys do load management and they just don't show up and they just don't. They just frankly don't care. And that's all connected to the drive for money. So like I could see it more likely in another sport. It's interesting that we haven't had. Are we to believe that football players are just this different? We haven't had these problems and I know the new basketball CBA allows players themselves to have deals with gambling companies, which Mm -hmm. is hella interesting, especially if the gambling companies are putting out lines and then the players have public voices and their voices can impact those lines. If there is a player who is in bed with a gambling company and he sends out a tweet, it's not to say I know people had these same thoughts about shams around the draft. Bing, bingo bingo yeah. bingo and for those who don't know sham sarania is uh, a newsbreaker for the nba and he is what is it um i don't know Is one of the gambling because i don't know which one it is but he's with one of the gambling companies around the draft there are bets on what player goes in certain places he was sending out tweets that when shams talks the line is going to move. And he was sending out tweets that were impacting the way that the bets would happen while also working for this, or at least being paid by this company. and Doing a draft show for FanDuel. Yeah, while doing a draft show for FanDuel. So I am not going to accuse him of anything, but I think it doesn't matter. It's about the perception of impropriety more than it is about the act itself.
1: It does matter. And it does matter for the rule that is in the NFL's gambling uh, manifesto. Don't don't share team inside information, right. and that has become so embedded in how we digest sports and how we digest media from newsbreakers that it is so commonplace for leaks to happen for these guys to break news, and those are coming from team employees or players. That is just part of the deal. And if the NFL is going to start <laughs> suspending players because of that, well, the newsbreakers can do this. To me, that is just completely outrageous and unfair and also ignorant to how the media has worked for decades.
0: Yeah. And I I don't think that that's a tough spot is because I don't think that they'll actually enforce it. I think that they have that rule should they need to enforce it. Yes. if that makes sense. So like they're not yeah. going to every time uh, Woj puts something out or I guess for the NFL Adams, every time Adam Schefter puts out something, they're not going to dig in to figure out where he got his leaks from or where he got his information from. But if there is an incident that is uncomfortable, then big line shift right yeah. before a
1: Super Bowl a conference championship game.
0: Exactly. Then there will be some sort of impact and or there'll be some sort of punishment. So. I don't know. It's all very uncomfortable and unseemly and it's very far from what uh, we like to imagine our sports are, but it's becoming more and more in our faces and it's the, it's risky for them, I think, long term I do too. because it does change the way that we think about this. And when there are other entertainment options available, people may not turn to to sports in the way that they have before if they feel like the sports because sports. Uh, Though some people joke about uh, NFL season having a script, it's not scripted. And if you think about it, it's not nearly as like, I guess, captivating as a well-written scripted television show. The reason why it matters is because you show up and you're like, ah, I don't really know what's going to happen. This is going to be fun to watch. And you're also like, these people are putting everything out there and there's ties to the team that you love and all that stuff. All that stuff shifts, I think, if we start to have a perception, whether it's true or false, a perception that uh, there's something else influencing our game other than the player's desire to win on the field.
1: Absolutely. I mean, it's, I would say the biggest. Um the biggest impediment to the NBA becoming a bigger sport in the United States is um, the way it's refereed. Guys like Tim Donahue and Scott Foster, where there was gambling on games. Uh, Scott Foster allegedly involved, but Tim Donahue definitely involved. Um, and he, Scott Foster refs a game in the playoffs. They call him the extender and they joke about how he changes the actual outcome of games and how his bias is too far. Mm-hmm. And then apathy from the players and there's been point shaving in basketball for years uh in different levels and things that have been caught and been investigated by the fbi been involved in other things and what makes football unique is the thought of any given sunday it's not just that it's unscripted in the intensity it's that the game is so complicated and there's so much parity right. in any team that can win that fan bases casual fan bases not i'm not talking about like the diehards the people who are like you know, talking about EPA and watching the all twenty two can get genuinely invested in what is otherwise a meaningless game between two teams that are hovering around five hundred because the stakes seem so significant. If the NFL loses that, it loses uh sort of the the gladiator aspect yeah. of this what these guys are willing to put everything on line. i can't yeah, I, yeah. I can't believe i'm going
0: into cliches but i swear yeah. i know i mean it's a it's a pillar to their business it's not yeah. it's not an ancillary thing that we that that is just like a garnish on this great thing like it is it is the core it is a main course is uh that significance and so I guess we can use that to like go into the next part of the conversation, unless there was anything else on the gambling that you wanted to talk about. Like, I I don't know what else to say about it because I think we're going in this direction, whether we like it or not. I don't want to be opposed to it. I certainly think that um, making as much money for the league is important. And, And I think a lot of people have, when I've been reading social media, a lot of people are making the point that the NFL is making all these money, all this money off these deals and then putting the players in this bad situation. But the players are also profiting off of these deals because that money goes into the money that's going into their pocket. So it's mutually beneficial. The one other thing that I I would like to point out is I made this point earlier that I get it. If I were the commissioner, I'd be like, yeah, let's get anybody who is, is uh, breaking these rules. Let's get them out of the league because they don't have the value. That's worth uh, us taking this risk. If it's LeBron in the NBA, oh, yeah, we need to talk about this. I'm not letting this news out. We're going to have a conversation. We're going to figure out how because his name is that important. But the last point I want to make is the group that needs to defend them is obviously the players' union, and they're in a tough spot because the power – Uh, Yeah, the power is not in their favor. And what happens, and I know this from personal experience, is what happens when you are looking to defend players who have done something wrong, you're looking to defend them in order to protect the rights of all the players. But what actually ends up happening is you go to defend a player who's done something wrong and the rest of the players in the league are like, oh, what's that going to cost us? What do we have to sacrifice? What is the how's how's it going to impact me? to put us out here to fight for this player. And most of the players in the league are like, eh, I ain't going to gamble. I, I won't support a fight against the league to protect someone who is who is breaking yeah. rules that are so obvious and that could easily be avoided. But that's not the problem. The problem is you are ceding ground that at some point it's going to cost you. But anyway, sorry, You look like you have something to say.
1: The last thing I wanted to say is that there is actually precedent for one of the big dogs getting suspended. and That's going all the way back to the 60s, Paul Horning the golden boy, Heisman trophy winner, Notre Dame Zone. He was suspended for an entire season for multiple bets, and he basically um, had to self-flagellate and apologize and call himself a terrible person and all the mistakes he made. Um, but unlike Pete Rose, he was allowed into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So and the NFL has always been sort of savvy about bringing players back, even if they bet on games, bet on stuff. Um, but I don't know. I, I think we see a star get popped for this and actually get you know,
0: public. Yeah. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't see, I, I I think it's ridiculous to assume just like, I think it's ridiculous to assume that this isn't happening in other sports outside of football. I think it's ridiculous to assume that it's just the lower level players doing it. Like it's, it's gambling's fun. Like I think some people might think they, the big time players make so much money that they don't need to, and they're not going to get caught up in that. But I also think that like people gamble not to, or at least Smart people are not gambling in order to make money. They're gambling because they think it's fun. So like I could imagine, and I've been on a lot of team planes where the star players are the ones that are just hundreds of dollars back there. It's not going to impact their life, but it's fun to play cards for money. It's more (laughs) fun to do that. It makes watching sports a little bit more interesting. It's it's just uh, it's human nature. As we mentioned earlier, it goes back as long as civilization has gone back. People like to bet on stuff.
1: So you're saying Michael Jordan's not too rich to gamble? <laughs> yeah, fair
0: point. Him and um, what's the a lefty?
1: Ozempic Phil?
0: Yeah, Ozempic Phil. Yeah, is he thin now? Oh, man. He's, he's zemped out. Oh, gosh. All right. So
1: so much Botox, too. It's crazy. You can't move a muscle above the
0: neck. <laughs> he doesn't need him. He's a golfer. You don't Great need calves. muscles to play golf. Um you seen the calves, though? I have not. I, I don't check out oh, calves. Dude. You're a calf guy? His,
1: no 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 these are just legendary calves oh, if really? you look at phil mickelson's like i'm sure you had some like toe walking to practice but okay. i'm sure you had some toe walking defensive tackle who you played with and you're like god damn that dude's <laughs> got dinner plates for calves no. lefty has those <laughs> no i never looked at
0: anybody's calves but calves big but calves you're, you're lying I mean, you're lying big calves. You never is, noticed no big calves is not something to that translates to like no not at all useful athleticism so like all genetic too yeah big butts oh man yeah if i see somebody you got a dumper
1: you can scoot
0: oh yeah if i see somebody a receiver uh in college see a receiver with a big butt like all right here we go this is the go route guy but i mean Mm -hmm. ain't nobody care about their calves i don't give a damn about my calves Barnstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely.
2: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful slash df today to get 10% off your first month. That's help, com slash df.
0: Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup,
2: blue and ready for the play. And boom! Yeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained,
0: You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. So this is uh, about money. And uh, I feel like this is something that um, comes up a lot is the impact of money on the game. And I try to be level-headed when I talk about it because I like money too. I made money while I played football. I make money now because sports is around. So I don't like fully begrudge the the uh, desire for these leagues and teams to maximize their revenue. But understand that everything is a trade-off and every good comes with bad. And I think that you have a continuum slider where it's like optimize uh, return on investment. And it feels like it's gone a little too far into the optimized return on investment. And I guess on the other end of that continuum is be the paternalistic civil um, institution that you profess to be. And this to me is the problem with a lot of teams now. And it's not just the way they treat the players. I think often we talk about, or at least I force us to talk about, how uh, teams are not treating players fairly. But it's worse for fans because while professional athletes have a union that's not, frankly, not strong enough in any major sport to beat down the the leagues, the fans don't have a union. And the things that happen to the fans is much worse. So I guess my question is, what do we, there is no bill of rights for fans and there is no uh, contract between, there's no CBA between fans and teams. And it feels like fans deserve that, especially when there are teams that are, Not only using public money to build their stadiums and not only avoiding taxes in various ways, but also uh, relying on uh, marketing campaigns that are completely dependent on civic pride. It's like they name their teams after the city. And they try to they sell T-shirts that that bring everyone all together. And they do all these things that are designed to be like, oh, no, we're a family. We're all together. We're all fans. And then they don't behave that way. And the point I made earlier in the show about who are your customers, everyone has a boss, I guess, is a better way to put it. And you think about team owners and think that they don't have a boss, but they do. And at one point, that boss was the fans it felt like the team, the group that they wanted to satisfy was the fans, but that has changed so much where it feels like they want to have luxury boxes. They want to impress the local businesses. They want to impress the potential sponsors. They want to please the TV partners. And They want to satisfy local politicians so that they will uh, divert public money into their stadiums, even though we've learned that the returns are not there for it. But it's fine. I don't mind paying for things. So, like, that's what it comes down to me is like, yes, cities, municipalities are paying. A lot of these teams, very few of them are buying their own stadiums. They are paying these teams. And what are they going to get back? There is no written contract that says what they deserve. And I don't know what the right answer is because there's a couple of different things. It's like there's the the team building part where I think we would all agree that fans deserve uh, a team that is going to try their best to succeed. I don't think anyone would argue that it would be fair for teams to intentionally be terrible uh, or at least not care about winning and just run this I was about to say,
1: a, that's a that there's a really interesting right. way to word that yeah because i the, think it's a, the responsibility to have a plan to try to win
0: the yeah all right i can get on board with that because you are defending tanking is what it comes down to well i
1: got a lot of i got a lot of pushback even on our last episode talking about the wizards and not appreciating the years when they were like yeah. mid-level playoff teams and my thing was i thought they didn't try and bust through a ceiling or didn't try and work around that. And it was frustrating as, as as a nerd fan. And I understand I'm in the minority there, but I think the responsibility is, you know, this, not everyone's going to win teams have to suck. That's how leagues work, but you have to have the responsibility to try to build a winner. Yeah. And there are different ways to do that.
0: Yeah. I, I, one of the things that, um, that really, that goes underappreciated is these are businesses. And most of the time when businesses aren't run well, They go Mm -hmm. out of business, but they uh, uh, these teams exist as a legal monopoly and they share revenue. So when your team stinks, you get tons of money and then you stink again and you get tons of money. They're like there is no forcing mechanism. And while we we laud the. The drive that we believe capitalism gives us is like, hey, you could be a millionaire or you could be broke. And we convince ourselves that it's all based on a meritocracy. And we're like, yeah, that's what
1: wealth will trickle down. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's what drives us. We don't expect that of our professional franchises, at least in this country. And it's it sucks. So uh, I think that's one thing we can agree on. I guess. the Yeah. The next question is about staying in the city, which. I don't know what the rules are around that because I guess I can imagine or I don't know what the rules should be are what they should be. I don't know what the rules should be around that, because I guess I can imagine scenario where it's okay to leave a city. I haven't seen one yet where uh, I mean, obviously, if there's some sort of natural disaster or there's some reason you have to go, uh, if the city can't support it anymore, that's fine. But it feels like. There hasn't been a time in recent history where anyone has threatened to leave or not threatened to leave or made a plan to leave a city because the city couldn't support it. It was always used as a threat and as a weapon to leave, or they just actually left for greener pastures, which is what happened to the St. Louis Rams and also the Oakland Raiders and many other teams in the history. So, like, I I, I guess I don't have a, a strong take on it, but they need to stay. Green Bay's surviving somehow. Yeah, I, I
1: and I, I haven't researched this. So don't kill me, listeners, if I get this wrong, but I believe the, the actual answer to the team that couldn't support it market-wise was the, was the Vancouver Grizzlies. Great city, but I don't think there was actual, actually enough interest in it, um, which is why they ended up in Memphis. Um, yeah, I mean, teams need to stay. The, a lot of what, what is driving interest in these sports is the created local nostalgia of rivalries and we're seeing this be pervasive more than just in professional sports if you look at like conference realignment and the Mm -hmm. fact that you know your beloved maryland terrapins are in the big 10 now and that's still still weird you know how many how many how many however many years later and so when you move these teams around and they have upstart fan bases they just don't feel the same look at the chargers the chargers have justin herbert (laughs) i'm leaning in close for this because I would I I honestly would probably cut off my pinky toe to have Justin Herbert be the quarterback <laughs> of my favorite football team after the last after the last 33 years. Right. And you go to Red Zone and on the Red Zone channel it flips over and Justin Herbert's just throwing a 55-yard laser in his home stadium which is brand new SoFi Field and it pans out and the stands, the stands is like mostly Steelers fans if they're playing Pittsburgh this week.
0: And that is sad. And that is all because of the greed of wanting to move teams. Right. And and, and it sucks. doubling up in a city that didn't want either team in, in LA. And um, yeah, I think there's a, maybe I'll write an essay or something at some point about what money is doing to sports, because you bring up the college thing too. It's like, yeah, that's all about money. Conference realignment is all about money. And, Having a a balanced thought about or having a thought about how to properly balance the incentives is something that I don't think anyone does. We just all accept that. You know what? Let's get more money. And what's really difficult and I see the same thing. And this is, again, from my players union experience is like I understand how difficult it is to negotiate against the behemoth that is the NFL the same thing is happening. The NFL has the power asymmetry. Like, we're in different weight classes. The NFLPA and the NFL are in different weight classes, but we still have to fight over stuff. And the same thing is true of these teams in their fan bases in their cities. But the fan bases in the cities don't even have a mechanism to fight them. And it's it's a problem with our general – or this general institution is when there are – You can't write enough rules to protect uh, to protect a a weaker uh, party. And you're going to get overpowered when the other party is unwilling to comply with the unwritten rules. And that's like that's just a thing that happens in all of society that I think we take for granted is we're all, whether it's conscious or not, we're all willing to follow unwritten rules just because like, there's no way that you can just write a law for everything. Oh, you can't do that, can't do that, can't do that. No, there's some things that as a culture, we're like, all right, uh, we're not okay with that. And just the general force of society uh, uh, forces us to comply with common law rules. And then when someone steps out of bounds, the shame or the repercussions are so much so that no one else does this again. But we don't have that. There's no shame because most of the owners of the the teams who are making these decisions hide behind Roger Goodell. They don't come out and show their face. And then they send out their mascot and their star quarterback to do some campaign about how much I love this city. And then when it's time to do something or it's time to get a new stadium built, they're like, hey, I love this city, but we might have to go check out some other location.
1: Can I uh, workshop a tweet for you for when you promote this episode?
0: Okay, sure. Let me hear it.
1: Roger Goodell and the owners tell the players, protect the shield. But really, that shield's protecting them. Whoa, so Whoa.
0: deep. Let's that's a, that's, a, that that's how it's note. like,
1: that would be the first line of your Foxworth essay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah i i said i came I'm, I'm i'm high on conversation right now because writing i don't know when i got time for that that's just hard i ain't done that in a while i'm just really tired yeah i'm really tired too i feel like i was struggling today because i just can't get my words straight just got off the train from I, new york if anybody I watched, great if anybody watched um First take or get up yesterday, you'll see that I have on this shirt during that because I took the train from New York, hopped off that joint, came right to the studio and gave you all this great t- content. So if I wasn't as fluid and smooth as I normally am. That's my excuse. Play through injuries. Fight. I adopted a second dog today and that's just already exhausting. Oh, so Dobby's a big brother. Yeah. What's the what's the new dog's name? Fred. Fred and Dobby. I like that. Yeah, yeah. Did did you inherit the name or you named him? No. So, uh, this this puppy's like seven
1: months old, and he got surrendered back to the shelter, and the shelter gave him a name, and he doesn't know like any name. So we name. He's from Fredericksburg, Virginia. So we okay. named him Fred.
0: Oh, what kind? A I mean, boy. I assume it's Another, a mix. He's like a hound, houndy mix. Yeah. How's he doing? Is he, is he assimilating just fine? He's definitely terrified, but he's doing great. Right, he's well, doing great tell Dobby to take care of him Dobby is also always terrified how do you have two scared dogs you guys you don't have dogs for a house for home protection I guess you gotta alarm for that hey i uh I protect them. <laughs> <laughs> all right well the shield protects you. them damn it i've <laughs> up you had a working. yeah all right we both need to go to bed but anyway charlie thanks for doing this with me uh thank you christina buswell thank you adi khan thank you sarah abbott and of course thank everyone here at podville for letting us use this studio and we out this is the dominique foxworth show